0: Guys, we have a special treat today. Uh, We're in the middle of this series called This Is Us. And listen, this has just been something. This is our pivot. Okay, this is our pivot. COVID has thrown us a curveball, thrown us all a curveball. And our leadership got together and started asking the question. You're like, what do we do now? What do we do now? What is God calling us to do right now? As a matter of fact, how do we minister in this time? As you guys know, as things start to open back up and things become real again, and uh, and, and and we become uh, come out of our shells and out of our homes and and back to work, back to classes, back to all these things, we started asking ourselves a question like, "What what does this look like for Ridgepoint Church?" And, and why do we exist? Why do we exist? This is a perfect opportunity for us to ask questions like, "Why do we exist?" And so we started asking those questions as a leadership back in the fall and. Um, We got in touch with this lady that has just been an absolute blessing to me as your pastor. Um, I will tell you up front, 100%, this woman is my mentor. Um, She has helped me tremendously grow as a pastor and as a leader. And I'm so thankful for her. We asked her to come in this fall uh, back in November. And we did a weekend with, with our leadership team. And we started asking the question, why do we exist at Rich Point Church, why do we exist? And how do we behave? Like, what do, what do we value? Because whatever we value is how we're going to behave. And how we behave is directly related back to why we exist. And it all just kind of comes full circle. We started asking these questions. And, and Cindy, she came in um, and, and she didn't give us the answers. Like, She didn't say, okay, this is who you are. She just started asking us the questions. Who are you? What has God called you specifically and uniquely to do at Ridgepoint Church? And so she started asking us these questions and started asking us and, and, and allowing us the opportunity to just brainstorm and prayerfully consider who God has called us to be. She's really good at that. She's really good at asking those questions and, and, and helping us, navigating us and helping us come to that conclusion. And so uh, we started this series, Why We Exist. This is us at Ridgepoint Church. This is how we roll. This is why we exist. This is who we are. We started asking those questions. We came up with some answers that we believe are God-given. Now let me be very clear today. We're not, this is not changing who we've always been. This is just specifically clarifying who God called us to be eight years ago when we planted Ridgepoint Church. We've just never had it in this clear of an idea before of who God has called us to be. And with that this morning, I would love to welcome uh, our guest speaker. She, she helped us. She knows as much about why we exist as I do at this point. Uh, she's been helping us tremendously. She's from Denver, Colorado. She's here with her wonderful husband, John, uh, today. Folks, this is Cindy Fiala. Let's welcome her this morning to Richmond Church. <laughs>
1: Wow, I don't know if I can um, live up to that. I don't know about you guys, but I've already had church this morning. (laughs) That song, you guys, thank you. Let's just give it up for our worship team. That, I mean, like, I'm ugly crying back there, and I'm like, oh, goodness, I'm about ready to go up there. So forget what this looks like, just listen. I love seeing you all here today. As Pastor Clayton said, man, your team, your leadership team has done so much work not to create something new, but really to clarify who we are, why we exist. Why does Ridgepoint Church exist? Sometimes we don't think about those questions. Sometimes we just go into it and we go, well, we're a church. We exist because we love Jesus. Yes, that's true. But there's a reason why Ridgepoint is here because See, there's 11 churches within a one-mile stretch right here. You guys know that. Why is it that one more church would make a difference? Because every church, we believe that every church, God places in a specific place at a specific time for a reason. Maybe the church down the street, they just dig into Bible verses, verse by verse by verse, and that's good. Maybe another church is all about social justice, or maybe another church is about families. Well, today, we're going to unpack the rest of the values that Pastor Clayton started unpacking for you last week. But before we do, I want you to check out this video. No? No video? Okay, we're not going to get a video. All right, well, all, it was all about, here's what, what I'm, I'm just going to do it. Okay, so you know, before COVID, we would have a lot of handshakes. Like, have any of you been in a club? And maybe when you were a kid and you had a secret handshake, like you know, you know, it was like the, the three stooges, you know, whatever. Or maybe it was a really fancy one with foot picks and all that kind of stuff. Handshakes are pretty cool. Now we can't handshake really, right? Now we have to elbow bump, or we fist bump, or we hug from afar. Oh, we have it? Yay, do it.
0: Long time, no see. Here. Okay. Now give me a platform. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Now do it tomorrow.
1: a secret handshake maybe you were part of when you were a kid you were part of a club that was the boys only club or maybe you were part of the no boys allowed club right maybe it was a sorority or a fraternity or some type of an association or whatever it is my brother and he's watching online today back in oregon when he was like in elementary school he was part of the wadog club Wadogs, and if you, so, if you can imagine fifth grade boys in the summer riding around the neighborhood in their cutoff shorts on their Schwinn Stingray bicycles, you've got the picture. Okay, just like this herd of fifth graders all around, and I think the only code of conduct that they had in their club was to hit every single pool in the neighborhood. Like we lived in a neighborhood where a lot of the neighbors had above the ground pools. I've seen a lot of above the ground pools in Prestonsburg. So the boys would just go around and as they jumped into the pool, they would scream, what dog!" that was our code of conduct. I don't know, it's kind of funny. Well, we've probably all been a part of some kind of a group with a code of conduct. Another way to talk about a code of conduct is values like behavioral values this is how we roll the, this is what we do as part of this club and a code of conduct it sets us apart from other clubs or maybe other people groups right um, there are also guardrails or standards about how we behave and how we behave creates the culture of a place, it becomes like when someone brand new walks into Ridge Point, they're like, there's something different about this place. What is it that makes this place so different that feels so good? Of course, the the same can be true, can be said about places that we walk in and we go, ooh, they were not friendly. They, ooh, that just, that didn't feel good. So a code of conduct it differentiates us from other people. The truth is, our personal behaviors or our values, every one of our families even have values. We have things, I asked a group of people that we had together yesterday, um, I asked them about their family values. Like maybe in your family, um, one of your values is that we tell the truth, we're honest. Maybe in your family, you have a value of doing hard things. Like we just do hard things. Or maybe another value might be, we're kind. We're, we're kind, that's how we roll here. It differentiates you from other families. The truth about our personal behaviors and our values, our code of conduct, can not only determine how our days will go, but they also will determine an entire life trajectory, an enti- the, the entire way your life will go. Because he, this is the truth, and this is going to be up on the screen. Values are not suggestions. They are standards that lead to significance, or behaviors, or values. Um, they determine how we will decide to make decisions about what we will do, and what we won't do, and those things rub off on the people around us. The decisions we make today really does make a difference in the lives of the people around us, not only just now, but like that song said. Did you catch that? For a thousand generations. A thousand generations. Could it be that by being very specific about how we roll as a church here at Ridgepoint will determine and affect and impact a thousand generations. Imagine that. I love that math. Do you like that math? I mean, that's a thousand generations, not just for you. Not just for you. Not just for you but multiply that times all of us and then multiply it by all of the people that we impact. So it's safe to say that values are very important. Values are important. Here's what Paul said in Colossians. He said, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then, whenever you you get to the word then or so that in the Bible, you've got to stop and go, okay, what did he just say? Then, the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Then, then, the, watch the way that you, you live your life with spiritual wisdom, because then you will produce good fruit. Before we go any further, let's just stop and let's just pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you, Lord God, that you have brought these people together. I love seeing this house full. Amen. Oh, Father, thank you for bringing us together and gathering us together. And I pray this morning that as, as I unpacked, the last two values that are significant and makes Ridge Point significant and and different from every other church in this community and in this county, Lord, you would imprint it in our hearts in such a way that it will change the way we live our lives. Father God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this week, like Pastor Clayton said, is our third week in this series, This Is Us. And this really, like Pastor Clayton said, this is just clarity about what you've always known. But now your leadership team has put words to it and some specifics so that we can literally have common language about who we are. It's like when you go to the grocery store and someone says, well, where do you go to church? And you go, oh, man, I go to Ridge Point." And they go, well, why is Ridgepoint so, so great? Well, let me tell you why. <laughs> I can tell you why. Because we, here's, here's why, because we live real. We just live real. We at Ridgepoint are honest about who we are so that God can transform our lives. Amen? Right. Here's another reason why Ridgepoint is so different, because we love differently. We love differently. We don't just love when we're here. We love differently when we're at the grocery store or when we're at work, when we're with our neighbors, when we're just talking with our family members, when someone says to you, what what is it that makes you so different? I want what you have. It's because you can say, we love differently here. And here's, here's how we, we explain this. Ridge Point is a community of people who love all. We love all through our words, our actions, and our twos, our attitudes. And then the third thing that we talked about last week was we grow. We grow as a community of people that are committed to growing individually and collectively. We do that here, and soon we'll be doing that again in small groups. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, So today, today we're going to unpack the last two values. There's only five, and, and it is our hope and our prayer that every single one of you will be able to repeat this because we want people in your world to say what's different about Ridgepoint, and we want you to be able to say this is what's different about Ridgepoint. Can any other church in our community say these things about their community? This is the water that we swim in. This is the air we breathe. Here's the first one that we're going to unpack today. And it goes right with that beautiful song that we just sang. Think legacy. We here at Ridgepoint, we live our lives out loud to our faith out loud, to make an impact on generations to come. We think legacy. And we're all also going to unpack celebrate story. Celebrate God's big story and every other story he's writing in every single life around us. Okay, so let's just unpack think legacy right now. Here's, here's what it is. Um, How do you think legacy and live your faith out loud in such a way that it impacts a thousand generations? Well, I would say there are four words that I want you to remember. And if you have a pen and a pencil or if you have your phone and you've got a note app in there, I would love for you to write these down. They'll be on the screen. The first one is this. The first word in order to live legacy is grow. Guess what? We've got to make it personal. We've got to be committed to growing in our own personal faith first. Before we can ever pour into anybody else, before we can pour into children, before we can pour into students, we have to grow ourselves. Um, Is your relationship with God growing, authentic, and personal? Is it worth replicating? Mine isn't always. I mean, if I'm honest, and we're real here, right? That's what we said one of our values is, is that we're real here. If I'm honest, my spiritual journey is not always worth replicating because I lose my temper. Anybody? I get angry in the car. Anybody? I get mad when I'm talking to customer service on the telephone. Anybody? Come on! We're all just human after all, right? But, but that doesn't give us the excuse to stay there. See, God didn't send Jesus to save us, to leave us the way we are. He saved us to transform us. And do you remember from week one, why do we exist? We exist because we believe that people can be transformed by a relationship with Jesus. My faith, your faith, has to be worthy of replicating. One of the most important passages in Scripture that talks about this idea of generational faith is found in Deuteronomy. The Israelites have been released from Egypt. They have come through the Red Sea, and now they're in the desert. And God speaks to the Israelites through Moses, and he says this in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and 6. He says you he's talking to the grown-ups in the crowd right now okay he says you must love the lord your god with all of your heart with all of your soul and all of your strength jesus later on when he hit the scene he added and your mind okay so it it encompasses your whole entire being you must love the lord your god with your whole entire being. And then he says, and must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. All adults, thinking legacy. So a legacy of faith is formed in the next generation to continue creating more legacies of faith and more legacies of faith and more legacies of faith. It doesn't matter, and here's the thing, it doesn't matter if you're a parent here with small children or your children have already launched out. It actually doesn't matter if you don't have children. It doesn't matter if you're a a young adult. It doesn't matter if you're a grandparent or if you're here and you're single. If you are an adult in this room, it is your, not only your responsibility, but it is your greatest gift to the next generation to grow in your own relationship with Jesus so that you can have a faith that is worth replicating. Okay, so um, after Moses instructed the adults to do this, there's there's something very interesting that he says next. He says, and this isn't going to be on the screen, but he says, then after you're living your life wholeheartedly, then impress these things upon your children. In you're coming, and you're going, when you sit down at the table, when you're giving your itty-bitty a bath, when you're driving your kiddo to the soccer practice, if you're in the car, if you're tucking them into bed. Impress these things upon your children. That is the next step. And that's why we grow, so that we can impress them upon our children. Here's what Paul said in, uh, to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. He says, so now be careful how you live. Don't live like fools But like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these days. These hard days we're living in are not the only hard days that humans have lived in. In these days. The second word is leverage. I want you to leverage every moment, every opportunity, and every phase of your life and your children's life or the children in your life. What that means is, is that simply we're going to leverage moments to be present and, and like not with our electronics. We're going to set those down and maybe play a board game. Or we're just going to ask them a question. Or we're going to talk to them about what God's teaching us and ask them, like, like if God's teaching you about patience, maybe you could just ask your kid a question and say, do you ever struggle with patience? Man, sometimes I really do. And you know what? This morning in my quiet time, this is what I learned from my reading in the Bible. It doesn't have to be a great big long devotional. It can just be a question that opens up a conversation. Leverage your time. Here's the thing. We have to leverage our time to be truly present. We have to leverage our lives for something worth following. And we have to leverage our lives for what Jesus leveraged his life for, which was justice and forgiveness and relationships. Amen? Here's, this, here's a third word. Partner. 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 We think that two combined influences make a greater influence than just one influence. Here's what I mean about that. We need each other to do this legacy thing. Our kids need multiple adults speaking the same spiritual truths into their lives that we are speaking into them at home. And sometimes there's going to be kids... I'm praying there are going to be kids and students that are going to show up here that their parents aren't coming. And they need you to influence them in spiritual ways. You become the partner to that family that they need it. And then our prayer is, is that parent will follow the child or the student. Right? Um, here's the thing. If you've made Ridgepoint your home, partner with the church. Don't Don't do life alone. Join a small group. When small groups come back around again, make sure you get yourself in an adult small group, because you need to grow, right? You need to leverage your time to do what you need to do in order to grow. But then here's the other thing. Here's the other part of that. Um, Be a part of the people's lives around you. We are created for relationship. And we need other people, other influences speaking into our lives so that we can be the best version of ourselves that God intended. Right? Okay, so here's the other part of that. Parents, we need to make sure That when children's ministry opens, and we're working on that, we're we're making plans to make that happen. When children's ministry opens and family ministry opens for students and kids and itty-bitties, that you make sure that they're there and that they're with the same small group leader every single week. Because when a kid knows who their small group leader is, they're going to be more likely to go because they're not afraid of them and they're, they're not awkward and they don't feel like they're the lone kid out. We need to make sure that our kids are in consistent small groups every week. And we need to also make sure as adults that we're in consistent community every week with other people that can spiritually pour into us as well. And here's the fourth word. The fourth word is imagine. Intentionally live today with tomorrow in mind. I want you to imagine the end. Imagine um, this. We say this in family ministry all the time. We tend to do more with the time we have now when we know how much time we have left. Like for instance, if, if I had it, I would have... I love to have my jar of marbles with me. With 900 and I think it's 36 marbles. 936 marbles in it. Do you know what that jar of marbles represents? It represents every week of your child's life from the week they're born until the week they graduate from high school. Now, imagine if every single week you took a marble out of that jar and you put a mar- that marble into another jar by the time they got into elementary school, that jar might be like half full, right? And you see their original jar of marbles, the weeks you have available with them, kind of getting smaller and smaller. We were in a, uh, had a little meeting yesterday, and um, one of the, the um, members that was there, I said, have any of you had a student graduate from high school? Well, imagine if you have one <laughs> marble left in your jar because you only have one week left before they graduate. Parents start freaking out. (laughs) Did I do enough? Did I teach them everything they needed? Are they going to be okay? do, Do they have all the resources that they need? Do they know how to do this? Do they know how to change a tire? Do they know how to do laundry? Do they know how to cook? Can they feed themselves? Right? We think those things. But imagine if we could be so intentional about that moment that they graduate and they launch into the big, the big world that we've done everything and we are so confident because we have parented with the end in mind. We've parented with the end in mind. One of the things we like to do when we're talking to parents at parent-child dedication or graduations is this question. Hey, who is it that you want your child to grow up to be? Not what will they do or how much they make or where they'll live or what kind of car they'll drive or who they'll marry, but what kind of human being will they be? Who are you praying and dreaming for them to be? In order for that to come to fruition, we have to decide now and parent now with the end in mind because we're raising future adults, not future children. And so it requires us, when we think legacy, it requires us to do these four things over and over and over again. We've got to start with ourselves first. We have to grow. And then, then we have to, what's the next word? We have to leverage. We have to leverage our time, be present And then we have to partner with the church and other adults, make sure that we have placed influential adults in their lives that will speak godly truths into them. And then we must, must imagine the end. That is how we will think legacy. Okay, now let's go on to the next value, celebrate story. I love this one. Every time we gather together here, what we did this morning, how many of you celebrated God's goodness? I did while we were praising and worshiping. We celebrate God's big story and every story he's writing. See, God's big story is all throughout the Bible. It's the story of redemption in the Old and the New Testament it's the story of God working in and through his people to ultimately into this, the beauty of Christ. And when he moved into the neighborhood with us, uh, when he did that, he came to communicate unconditional love, forgiveness, peace. A new way to approach God that we did not have before that time. When Jesus moved into the neighborhood, we were no longer at war with God. We didn't have to prove ourselves because Jesus said, no, you don't have to, you just have to love one another. It's the story of how our loving Father wants to have a relationship with us and wants us to do the same thing with others. And draw people in to have a relationship with him. That's the big story of God. But here's the other thing. It's not just that. See, because Jesus came and he lives in us. We have his Holy Spirit that lives in us. If you are a follower of Christ. And you said, yes, I am placing my faith and my life in his hands and you've made that decision. Maybe you're here today and you've never done that. That's okay. We're just so glad that you're here just to check it out. And if you have questions, we would love, love, love to spend some time with you. Anybody here at Ridgepoint that's on the staff or anybody that you've seen in any of the roles here, they'd love to just have a conversation with you. Myself included. But here's the reality now. The reality now is that we are part of God's ongoing story and creation. Have you ever thought about that? You are the answer now. You are the answer. There's nobody else better, better for your neighbor to hear about Christ than you. If you have Christ living in you, then you are the answer, the ongoing story, and we get to celebrate every single story. It's the story of, of a brand new da- of a dad who's maybe made a decision that he's going to walk away from his old life of addiction or whatever it was, and he is placing his trust in Christ. It's the story that we celebrate about him praying for the very first time, maybe even awkwardly with his family. That's worth celebrating. It's a story of, of maybe a mama who's decided that, no, I'm not, I can't live with all of this jealousy and all the worry that I have. I'm going to trust Jesus. That's worth celebrating. It's the kid who gets himself here by himself. Because he wants something different for his family. Whew. That's we're celebrating. It's every single one of you. If we had time today, my favorite thing to do is just to sit around a table and to hear stories and to hear what God's doing in your life, and what God's doing in your life, and what God's doing in your life, and yours and yours. Because here's the thing: we, we are God's ongoing creation and what he's the stories that he's writing in each of your lives is worth celebrating. The last time I was here in November, we did baptisms. We're celebrating. So in this place, you're going to hear this word celebrating more and more and more. Look, here Jesus celebrated a lot of things. He celebrated his papa God. He celebrated every every person that became his disciple. He went to parties, y'all. Start a party. Start a party right in your neighborhood. And let it be worthy of celebrating here in this place. That's what celebrate story means. So, as we wrap this up this morning, your life is meant to impact and influence the people around you. It's just that simple. If you, if you are a believer in Christ, and even if you're here and you're just checking it out, you are still influence, influencing people one way or another. We all, even if we're believers, we can influence people <laughs> to take a deeper walk in faith, and maybe not, depending on what our mood is that day, right? You're meant to leave a legacy of faith for generations to come, a thousand generations. And that comes, that is biblical. It comes out of Exodus 20. It's part of the Ten Commandments. God said to the Israelites, he said, look, the sins of the father will probably be passed down to the third and fourth generation, but there's not a period there. There's a comma. And the comma says, but to those who are faithful, I will lavish. Think about that word, lavish, for just a second. I will lavish unfailing love on a thousand generations. I want that to be my legacy. Don't you? That's how we think legacy. And then every single generation is a celebration. Every little moment and every big moment is a celebration. We can't stop celebrating what God has done for us. And here's the difference between you and everybody else in the world. You can have joy in the midst of chaos, in the midst of a storm, in the midst Of a world that is politically and socially crazy right now because you have joy regardless of what's going on around you. And that's contagious. And that is something worth replicating in other people's lives. Listen to the words as I stop. I'm done. I just want to leave you with Jesus' words. Jesus said in John 17, this is one of his prayers to his Papa God about his disciples and about you. This is what he said I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you. That's me. Because 11 guys said yes. They weren't theologians. They weren't rabbis. They were nothing significant, really, to the world. They were fishermen. Some of them were tax collectors, which were, man, not looked well upon. started a revolution that has lasted over 2,000 years and because of them you are here imagine, just imagine for a minute with me if everybody in this room lived with the kind of trust and the kind of faith that those 11 lived with imagine what would happen in these and in this county. My prayer is that Bridgepoint becomes the place that people come because they know that this place is for families. My prayer is that this place will become the center, the beacon, the light for this county, for people to find transformation healing joy and everything they've ever hoped for jesus went on to say i pray that they will all be one just as you and i are one father as you are in me and i am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me let's pray In the quietness of your seat. Man, if God's stirring anything inside you, I would just invite you the altars open. This isn't special, it's just a place to come and say, I am putting a stake in the ground today. I'm living my life for a thousand generations. I am going to celebrate every big and every little story. Maybe your big story today is that you've made a decision to make Jesus, to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Maybe today your decision is you're just gonna live life a little different for your family. I would invite you to come on up. Father God, as we pray and people make their way forward, Lord, I just ask that that you would. You would tattoo these things on our souls and our minds and our muscles in such a way, Lord God, that you would revolutionize this place for you. That you would change even the way um, people look at each other. You would change the feel of this place and so radically Everybody around these people would ask what's so different. Father, would you make us a people who live real, who think legacy, who grow, who celebrate? Make us those kind of people, God. Father, God, we love you so much. We praise you for what you've done. We praise you for sending Jesus to take on our, all of our, <laughs> all the discipline we need, all of the the pain, all the consequences. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Savior, for loving us so much. That we can not only have life eternal with you, but that we can have the best life here. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we lift all these things up
0: to you and praise you in your heavenly name. Amen.